And that's really where all this comes from, is that this man wanted to take in this three-month-old baby, and he was well into his 60s. He had lived his life. He had raised a family. He had grandchildren. He probably had great-grandchildren. I just don't remember in the moment. (laughs) And he said, you know what? I still have space, right? I still have time, talent, and treasures, right? Hello and welcome to Beyond Networking, the show where we help you build a sustainable career in an unpredictable world with the power of human connection. I'm your host, Brian Miller, and today's guest is Helen G. Sneed. Helen is a career coach, an HR consultant, and a speaker. She also founded Drive the Goal, a consulting firm that helps people and organizations take charge of their lives and career and navigate change. Helen and I first met when she hired me to speak at a fundraising event for the Connecticut State Colleges and Universities Foundation. At the time, she was the president of that foundation. Helen has an associate's degree, a bachelor's degree, and an MBA. And most notably, she was recently named one of Connecticut and Massachusetts 100 Women of Color. So basically, she knows a lot. She's done a lot, and we talked about a lot. In this conversation, Helen and I discussed how to fix your elevator speech. We talked about what philanthropy really is and that anyone can do it, even if you don't have money. Uh, We talked about health issues and how to deal with that when the world is falling apart, diversity and inclusion in the modern workplace, her saxophone playing husband, and of course, Helen shares her story of a chance encounter with lasting impact. And the kicker is, She didn't even know that's the story she was telling when she was telling it. Check the show notes for all the ways to connect with Helen and information about Drive the Goal. And now, Helen G. Sneed. Helen, thank you so much for uh, for being here today. I'm really excited to reconnect and, and to chat with you. Hello, Brian. I'm excited. I'm nervous and excited. This is That's great. okay. Nervous is good, right? I mean, nervous. <laughs> yeah. I I get asked sometimes, you know, if I still get nervous before a before a speech or a show or a presentation, and I wouldn't say nervous, but I would say anxious. I think anxious is oh, good. Nervous, yes. nervous can be can be tricky, but anxious is good. The butterflies because you want to yes. you want to do a good job and serve yes. people well. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Butterflies we have. <laughs> Butterflies we have. Great. Well, I'll t- tell you what, let's start with something easy because uh, we'll have plenty of topics to get into. But like, what are you working on this week? What's on your plate right now? Wow. What's on my plate this week? <laughs> I have three different clients and also potential clients. So it's a, it's a combination. But I have three different clients uh, from completely different backgrounds. One is law enforcement. One is in human resources, and one is a musician. That's so many different things. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> are all three, wait a second, are, are two of them your husband? Because two of them, <laughs> right? your saxophone playing uh, cop uh, husband over there. Uh, we'll get into that, or maybe we won't. Uh, but no, so you've got all these different people you might be working with. Uh, what, what do you... What's exciting about that, though, the, the, besides the obvious that it's different types of people? So I will create fake names, if that's okay, right? Sure, you I, d- don't have to I use certainly... anybody's names. <laughs> okay, so we have Dan. 
Dan is a drummer. He's been a lifetime musician and he wants to become a state trooper in Texas. So yes. So Dan's really, really very, very interesting. So it does help to have a husband who's been in law enforcement for 38 years (laughs) that now plays the saxophone, (laughs) right? Because (laughs) it's the opposite direction. Yeah, exactly. So it's been very helpful, I must say. And I just sense I a had... band forming as as you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> a virtual band, right? Yeah, a virtual band, right. Yeah. Right, we'll all be out of sync. And then I have Kitty, and Kitty's in HR, and uh, she actually, we met through Junior Achievement one day, mm-hmm. and she liked what she saw, if I could say it that simply. Mm-hmm. And so we're starting to work together, and she wants to uh, do something in the nonprofit world. In oh, that's human resources related in, in nonprofit. And then I have my somewhat traditional, you know, law enforcement person. Uh, we'll call him Bob. And uh, Bob is a sergeant. And uh, I think he wants to be promoted. We're, we're still trying to determine what Bob's career path might be. And mm-hmm. it will be in law enforcement. And he's also interested in being an adjunct professor at the community Ooh. college or state college level. Yeah. So they really are all very different. So, yes, it's it's fascinating and also challenging to make sure that I never confuse Kitty, <laughs> Bob, and Dan, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. You, you you could end up with a wild situation if you uh, if you get them confused. I uh, yeah. I especially as somebody who who went to school for uh, for math and philosophy ended up becoming a magician, which led yes. me into a career as a human connection specialist. I especially appreciate some of the weird and winding career paths you're describing, especially the drummer heading into law enforcement. That drumming is the obvious path. To law enforcement, if we're if we're being honest, uh, so anybody who's listening to this right now will have heard my one or two sentence description intro for what you do, and they can piece together right now that you're doing career coaching uh, of 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 some kind. Um, if somebody, if you bumped into somebody at a cocktail hour, of course those aren't happening anymore. But if you were at a social gathering and somebody asked you, you know, they never met you before, they say, "What do you do? What's your answer like today? What do you do?" Brian, I, I ha- so I want to say this to anyone listening. I did not know Brian would ask me this exact question. <laughs> and true. I have been dying to say this publicly. I would not provide them with an elevator pitch or speech. I, have, I can't tell you how long I've wanted to say that. I really look at who am I talking to? How much do I know about them? And what do I think they are interested in? And then I talk about what I do. Because what I do can go off on so many different directions. It can be small business. It can be large corporation. It can be very personable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that human connection, and human element. Or it could be fundraising. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't have a perfect pitch. And I don't advocate for it. I will tell you, I really believe, look at the person you're, you're talking to and, and what do you think might be most interesting to them and how can you connect yeah. with them best? And it may not even be primarily what I do. It might be what my husband does playing the saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
That's such a great answer, and I and I love that for for a handful of different reasons. For one thing, the the what do you do uh, question really screws people up. Uh, it, yes. It's a question that I hear in my own coaching practice and with the people I work with all the time. They don't because most people either there's really no good way to answer that question for most people <laughs> because either they say their job title, which yes. almost always shuts down a conversation. Because unless you're particularly excited about that exact yes. title, you know, somebody says, well, I'm a senior account manager. And I'm like, fantastic. You know, like right. I have nothing to go on there. I don't know what that means. There's a billion job titles and they're all made up anyway. Right. Uh, but then if you try to explain what you do, a lot of people feel they're not just they're they're they don't want to talk about themselves. They feel like they're hogging the conversation or they're yes. they're not that interesting. And so this yes. this is a question that really messes people up. And so I, I love your approach to saying, well, instead of saying what I do, I'd rather talk to them about something that's that's interesting to them or that feels relevant to them or find any connection whatsoever. Um, I, I'd love to get your take on this. One of the things that I coach a lot of people on to answer that question is if you do want to talk about what you do to get away from that question, I usually have them start with the phrase, so you know how, and then describe the problem that you typically solve for people. Right. So for me, when someone says, what do you do? I mean, what do I say? I can't say I'm a human connection specialist because what is that? Right. Yes. I made that up for myself. You you can't say I can't say I'm a thought leader because that's insane. <laughs> right. Right. So when people say, what do you do? I usually go, well, OK, so you know how it feels like everyone's talking and no one's listening and people go, yeah, it does feel like yes. that. And I go, well, I help organizations, educators, nonprofits fix that problem in, in their workplace. And that's how I get into the conversation about what I do. Does that is that something that that is that a good approach? Absolutely. This is your show. It's a great approach. <laughs> no, no, I really, from, so, from, because you've got, you, you, you do this and you, you do career coaching and you work with so many people. That's how I usually do it for myself. It's how I help a lot of my clients get away from that. I'm wondering if that feels like something like, is that, is that something that, that works for you? Yes, because really all kidding aside, you're, you're explaining to them something that they can relate to, and then you talk about a problem that you're solving, right? Yeah. And, and that's, that's really what you've done. Yeah. So yes, yeah. absolutely. Yes. Cool. Because listen, if, if, if that's wrong, I was about to be like, listen, I got a whole <laughs> lot of clients to apologize to, and I got to find a new way to introduce myself. Uh, so in the quiet moments when you don't have to answer out loud, what do you do? In your head, what do you call yourself? How do you see yourself? In the quiet moments, I think most of all, I think of myself as a networking problem solver. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> networking problem solver. We need more of you <laughs> for all the problems we've been discussing already. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. In yeah. the quiet moments, because while I don't want to come across negative at all, that's that's not the intent. Someone's trying to solve a problem. How do I get the next promotion? What do I need to do to change careers? How do I convince people that I'm worth hiring? How do I present my organization, my small business as a place that welcomes people from all sorts of backgrounds? 
how do I provide information to people that often don't have access to information and then convince donors to give money to fuel and fund my my goals and objectives. So I, I think the networking piece that I talk about in my own mind, right, is I want to be that resource that connects those human elements. Mm-hmm. And then the problem solver is I want to be able to say, I can help you solve that problem, whether it's through my own lived experience or because I've helped the drummer become a state trooper in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like a lot of what you just described is something I feel is becoming more valuable, which is there's been a push for like a decade or two to become everybody's supposed to become an expert. You need to become an expert. You need to become especially on LinkedIn. You see this all the time. You have to be the expert. Everybody's got to be an expert. But I actually think today there's so much expertise readily available that being a facilitator is more valuable. Uh, Being someone who brings people or elements together and can almost just connect the dots for people. You don't yourself have to be the expert. That feels right. Oh, yeah. 100%. Uh, yeah. 100%. If, if I take from my kind of philanthropy work where we have time, talent, and treasures, mm-hmm. right? I'm trying to connect those three dots independent of the environment, the place, the people, the thing, right? Can, can you describe more about that? I think that's, something a lot of people do not have any uh, familiarity with is, is philanthropy in, in that way. Um, time, talent, treasures, right? What, what can you quickly give us? What are each of those things? How do they play into philanthropy? Sure. Time. We want people to spend time working towards strategic goals of an organization, or we want their time at a board meeting, or we want their time at an event, right? Uh, talent. We need their talent, skills, and abilities to help our cause, our mission, our uh, audience. And then treasures, we need money. Yeah. (laughs) There isn't much that you can do in our society today if you don't have money. Mm. So treasures comes down to to money. Talk to me more about that. What you just said, there isn't much you can do uh, without money because i i i believe that uh and i think that is at odds with a kind of cultural conversation you hear a lot there's a really big push especially in like the self-help community that you can just do anything or be anything you yourself by yourself can just change the world through the power of thought and positive thinking and it's all wonderful but money matters it does It does. So if I think of it this way, hope, right? Hope anchors my soul. If if I were to go back in time, which we don't have enough time, but if I were to go back in time and and talk about just how I came to be, um, if it wasn't for hope and a little bit of grit and a little bit of grace, I wouldn't be where I am today. I still need money to pay for my cell phone bill and I still need money to buy the phone and I still need money for the laptop and the internet service and in order to eat, even though I might be able to go to a nonprofit, right, uh, when times get bad and, and I can pick up a box of food on a particular week or a particular month, but sustainability 
requires money. So I, mm-hmm. I, when I say there isn't much that you can do, in order to apply for a job, I still need a cell phone or an app or a resume. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, so those, those pieces do come into play. I still, even if I'm working remotely, right? So perhaps yeah. I don't need a suit, but to work Just the remotely- top uh, yes, that's right. That's absolutely right. <laughs> so that's where my statement comes from. Yeah. Because uh, even for a nonprofit, right, to send out a thank you letter for someone that donated funds requires some amount of money because someone has to put in the energy and effort to craft the thank you letter. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's no, it's got to file a re- you know an annual report. <laughs> yeah. It's true. I, I'm I'm curious then, uh, for somebody who wants to do good in the world, they can't do philanthropy like big P philanthropy because that's reserved for people who have so much money uh, often that they don't know what to do with. But there's like, there's got to be like a, a small P philanthropy that like the average person with an average life and an average amount of money um, can still make a difference. It, 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 are there ways that are philanthropic for people like that to, to make a difference, even if they really don't have a ton of money to throw around? The answer is yes. Again, with without spending too much time on this, mm-hmm. um, when I was growing up, there was a family and um, to, again, use a fictitious name, but uh, their last name, uh, trying to think of how to their last name was Smith. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Smith. Sure. We'll go with Smith. Their last name was Smith. And I looked up to them and thought, wow, one day I want to be able to create a scholarship like they did. And I thought I had to be rich to do it. Mm-hmm. And I sat down and had a conversation with someone and learned that, you know, if you can help a student purchase a textbook at a community college, you actually can help a student make it through that class because if they can't afford a $200 textbook and now they can, Mm. you can make a difference. So I'll be the first one to say you don't have to be rich and you you can start putting aside $50 and once you hit $300, we can use $250 and create a textbook scholarship and then still save $50 for the next year as you, you know, put a few dollars aside. And, and if something comes up and you can't continuously do it because things happen, well, we just sit on the 50 or a hundred dollars until you can. Yeah. See that, I don't think a lot of people know that, that, that you Mm -hmm. can work in even small increments like that and make a huge difference. It it reminds me of, um, a client who's now a friend, uh, a dear friend, uh, Getrude Mache. She, uh, I coached her on one of her TEDx talks a few years ago and worked with okay. her uh, on some various um, opportunities. She's a serial social entrepreneur. Uh, she she lives in New Zealand. She's originally from Zimbabwe, uh, grew up okay. in poverty in Zimbabwe and and got out and and made a phenomenal life for herself. And she always she's she's been doing serial social entrepreneurship her whole life, where she builds businesses, for profit businesses to do good in the world. So she doesn't do nonprofit because she she doesn't 
like the restrictions of governments and right. things that you have to do. Yeah. So she builds businesses that are for profit so that she can do whatever she wants with her money. And she uses it to build schools and do all kinds of things. And I remember her saying when I had her on the show a few years ago, she said, you know, she said, I'm not a millionaire. I'm just an ordinary woman. She said, but, you know, she's learned how to do what you're talking about, which is connect, yes. facilitate. There are people yes. with money. Get those people, get grants, get funds, bring yes. people together and communities uh, to to do things. Yeah. And it's amazing because if there's a, a single person, a family or just a couple of friends that got together to do something like that, imagine how that can multiply and grow when they're talking about that right over the holidays or Christmas or what have you. And the next thing you know, you have 10 individuals or 10 groups of people or 10 groups of friends. And together, they just created $2,500 worth of textbook scholarships. See, and that is positive marketing, which is something you and I were talking about before <laughs> yes. we officially started recording. Yes. That That is positive marketing. That's it that's. Is. That's telling that's the story being told by just you, your family doing something that yes. and talking about it over the holidays might make these three other families go, well, we 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 see our, we want to be seen as those kind of people. Also, they want to yes. we want to tell that story to ourselves, too, and have people yes. tell that story about us. And that's a good thing. It, 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 it Yeah. The ripples it go. It's the, very not only the. So I love that you said the ripples go. So. With society being what it is, we do so much remotely now. Mm. Imagine your families also in Texas, Florida, Connecticut, all over New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody can be a part of something bigger and helping students make their way through higher education. That's amazing. That's amazing. You it's clear that a lot of your work and your drive and your passion has come from or involves education in in particular. Yes. It seems that there's a lot of what you want to do um, and what you care about that's there. Um, I, I want to ask, a couple of years ago, I think it was 2018, you were recognized as one of Connecticut and Massachusetts 100 women of color. That's right, right? Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's outrageous. It's amazing. Uh, outrageous in, in, a, in the best way possible. Um, Thank you. What is, what, what was that and what does it mean to you? <laughs> so I I need to pause a little bit to gather my thoughts here because what it meant at the time and what it means today are actually two different things. So at the time, I was completely healthy. And since then, I've had multiple health issues. So that kind of recuperation and recovery phase and making my way back to feeling like I could give back again because I definitely felt as though I couldn't anymore, that my time was just about up. And so today it, it actually means so much more even than it did then because it's it's a reminder that tomorrow isn't promised and use all your todays to make a difference, uh, to make sure that you find people that maybe all they have is hope and they don't know 
how important education is or they do know how important it is and they don't know how to access it. And maybe they're a first-generation college student or, or maybe they didn't even think college was possible. So today it means just make sure I do everything I possibly can to reach as many people as I can to help them reach their goals. That's a wonderful lesson to take from all that. Do, do you mind me asking what, uh, what, what happened? So it's interesting. I said to my husband that once I made it through and moved to Florida, I would never talk about it again because I wanted to forget about it. And I find that he was right. I do have to talk about it. And so I've survived cancer three different times in my life. And I wanted to forget about it, but I think I recognize and understand that someone out there needs to know that even when you think your time is almost up, it's not. Mm. Well, I'm sorry to hear that you've had to go through such uh, difficult uh, medical issues, or especially like that, are just are. They're so much more common, I feel like, than than we realize in the people <laughs> yes. in the people in our lives, and yes, um, and it's a reminder too for me sometimes. Uh, you know, when you when you're having a rough day yourself, and so you 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 snap at the grocer at the at the food <laughs> store, and then and then you, you just realize, oh, you have no idea that person could be dealing with anything yes. behind the scenes yeah. and just trying to get through their day. Um, yes. but it seems like you've really, you've really taken whatever positive lessons you could take from that experience and, and channeled them into, into something new. I, I, so we talk about problem solving, right? Like I really, really want people to understand that if it isn't me, there's someone out there that can help you resolve issues, live through trauma, you know, recover from medical issues. And, and maybe it's not a hundred percent, right? Because something always stays with you. Um, but it, it truly is possible and you probably can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. Right. If, if it wasn't for my husband mm -hmm. <laughs> playing that saxophone, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I'm not sure. I, I could tell you when COVID happened and, and he approached me and said, let's do these uh, free musical videos, right, on social media. The last thing I wanted to do was get dressed up and be on social media dancing and playing a fake guitar and, and singing and I can't sing. Uh, but I knew what he was doing and, and I did it with him and I'm actually glad that I did. You know, it helped. It helped not only me, and I'm sure it helped him, and it helped a lot of other people dealing with, you know, the restrictions of COVID in the early onset of COVID. It, and I had to tell you, because of course, we're connected personally on the socials, <laughs> so I had the great pleasure of seeing all those, not, not to mention <laughs> I've had the great pleasure of, of hearing that saxophone in real life uh, during a cocktail hour where I had to, I had to 
to I, I was basically doing card tricks fighting with a saxophone uh it was fantastic it was the best punctuation um but i had the great pleasure of seeing those videos you're describing of of your husband playing the saxophone and you dressed up and <laughs> dancing and and all that and and the 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 beauty and art and silliness of the whole thing was yeah. like so like everybody looked forward to those videos every week and it became <laughs> such a such a staple like any like a sitcom becomes in people's lives yes. it's like comfort food almost that just helps yes. you leave for a few minutes especially yes. in the early i feel like we've already forgotten how in absolutely insane those first few months of the pandemic were because we're just so used to it now yes it's behind us right much like yeah. i said i really want to forget it's it's behind us yeah. uh but there are those reminders all around us right especially especially those people that did lose someone or yeah or more than one someone yeah i i i've gotten to a point where there's almost nobody that i know that it hasn't directly affected yes. you know my myself my own family included and it's it's and there's such an interesting parallel with what you're just saying about your your health uh your health issues with with cancer and then also with with covid about putting it behind you is that you know you just said you know now that it's behind us but of course it's not really behind us because I have <laughs> right. clients in Australia that are still in lockdown, Yes, you know, yes. and that are literally just allowed like this, like today in some cases, like to start coming out at uh, the day we're recording right. this. Um, and so just because it's behind you doesn't mean it's behind somebody else. And that's like yes. such an important thing to remember, too. Um, Very true. And I'm yeah. glad you said that. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Just yes. yes. Yeah. Some people are are still in the middle of it or heartbroken from it. Yeah. 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 And and similar and that's that was the parallel that I was seeing there is that is that, you know, when it comes to an illness or something like that, it could it could even be behind you, the person who went through it and 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 somebody who knows you or is close to you may not have fully worked through it. Yet. There's just so many there's so many different ways yeah. that people um handle things. So I since we're in kind of this um, emotional space right now. Let me hang in this space for a moment because I think okay. it's it, it would be really, it's really relevant. It's relevant to how much good and you've done in your life and in your career. You had a difficult upbringing as well. Uh, you had, I did. you are not a stranger to difficult times. Um, no, do you mind sharing a little bit about that? I'm actually glad you did ask because I, I wondered how could I mention this one particular person <laughs> during this conversation? His name is John Beverly Sr. And, and I wanted to start with his name. And he lived in Plainville and he had a second, he was married a second time. And he had three or four sons and they were grown and they had kids of their own. And here he was, oh, something like 68 or 62 years old. And he took me in as a three-month-old baby. Yes. Wow. And he took me in and he took care of me, he and his second wife, and raised me. And I had blood relatives that were in the state of Connecticut or in New England, uh, but did not live with them. And so I, my entire life growing up was with him. And he taught me about money. 
and putting money in the bank and talking to, you know, the local store owner and going grocery shopping and going to Sunday school and going to church. It just, everything you can imagine, you know, he would play hide and seek with me and and checkers. (laughs) I mean, you know, I'm really this little rambunctious, silly kid. So he was just, you know, the light of my life. (sighs) And then uh, it was winter time, and there was a snowstorm, and he had a heart attack at 78, and I was 14. And he went to the hospital. We went up to the hospital to see him that night. And shortly after 10 p.m. on Monday, the phone rang, and I absolutely knew. And the hospital called to say that he was gone. And I can't say it was the worst day of my life, and here's why. The next day was Tuesday, and I woke up, and I actually went to school. I was in high school, and I actually went to school. And I said... My papa would want me to go to school, and I did. And that's really where all this comes from, is that this man wanted to take in this three-month-old baby, and he was well into his 60s. He had lived his life. He had raised a family. He had grandchildren. He probably had great-grandchildren. I just don't remember in the moment. (laughs) And he said, you know what? I still have space, right? I still have time, talent, and treasures, right, for you. And it's just something you, you know, I don't forget. I never forget. I don't talk about him every day. But he is really the spark, right, in my life. He's the reason I went to school the very next day. And and I was 19 years old, and I remember saving in order to pay for his um, uh, the marker on his gravestone because no one else did. So, again, I, I think of someone who says, I can't do something. I don't make a lot of money. I was 19. So it it was about putting aside a few dollars, right, and and making it happen. So um, hope anchors my soul. You know, I love you, John Beverly. Um, I absolutely do. And, um, you know, what else can I say? But I'm, yeah. I'm really glad you did ask the question. Well, thanks so much for sharing that. I mean, it's uh, in in every way that's it's actually it's a really beautiful story thank Um, you yeah yeah and now i have my husband (laughs) yeah of course (laughs) who makes you get dressed up and and pretend to play guitar (laughs) yes and and wears dz top beard (laughs) yes so you've got this inspiration in your life from this incredibly young age and then you know tragedy strikes but you use it to 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 carry you through and it and it reinforces and instills this especially this love of learning and the the importance of education you got an what an associate's degree a bachelor's degree and an MBA an executive MBA is that right Yes Yes. So basically, yes. you're just an underachiever all your life. I am. I am. Yes. 
<laughs> so, and now, now, uh, before we get to the to kind of the big question, let's at least bring all the way up to present. So we've we've gone through so many of the pieces, but now you have this new venture. You're the principal partner in uh, in Drive the Goal, right? With with Greg, is that right? Well, yes, yes. <laughs> It's, that that it's, was a very tentative yes. But, <laughs> so it's it's my baby and I can't do it without him, yeah. but it is my baby. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Okay. So okay. so you're the principal partner. It's it's your venture. What is it? <laughs> so you know how people It's <laughs> 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 fantastic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Man, it, it feels like we rehearsed that, but I assure the listener that that was no, that was a true, true yes. callback. That was beautiful. Yes. Um, yeah. So when people, if I can use my own words, right? <laughs> so when people feel stumped and they're not sure how to reach a goal, they want to move forward, right? They want to drive their future forward. They're just not sure how mm. they reach out to me and we talk through what it is they're trying to accomplish. They want to accomplish. Um, they haven't been successful at, and, and it could be a person. It could be a small business. Uh, it could be a family looking to create a scholarship. Yeah. So I don't really have limitations on who I could help. But that's so that's beautiful. So it, it feels like it's just the the business culmination of all the different experiences and all the different teachings and learnings and passions you've you've had in your life. You like you said, kind of at the beginning of this, if somebody comes to you and you're just mostly interested in what they need, what's interesting to them, what's going on for them, and then you can do the problem solving. And yet now you're, you're just you're basically just doing what you already do, but you're doing it under kind of a formal, a formal business. Is that, is that about right? Yes. Yes. And, and yeah. so I'll share with you one thing I see where an organization, for example, will say, you know, we believe in diversity, right? We, we want to include people from different walks of life. And then I will read their new hire orientation, or I will read their employee handbook and nothing in it is congruent with everyone is welcome. Mm. So something even that basic I can help an organization with. What specifically do you see there? Because <laughs> I hear this all the time. I have friends and colleagues who are management consultants who work on diversity and inclusion. And uh, I hear this all the time that the public facing message from companies is just completely some sometimes 180 from what they're actually doing and what their actual practices are. W what's happening? <laughs> How is that happening? So we talked about you and I talked about earlier um, during this session uh, about connecting the dots. So their intent is there. Their heart is in it that, you know, there's a lot of intellect, right? And time and energy put into the concept or the program, it's making that connection in the documents or the policies or the procedures or the decisions that are made. So to use something very, very, very basic, really, it's almost oversimplified. 
So we're going to have an awards banquet, right? And we're going to acknowledge the different contributions from different departments. In that program, what have we looked at as far as um, allowing for our employees with disabilities? And in that program, what have we done with respect to um, dietary requests? And what about the music that's being played? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not uncommon, right, that, that something is, I don't know, um, top 40s, for example. Yeah. But there's so much more music out there that we could listen to, right? I got to tell you, see, that... I'm somebody who cares deeply about this stuff and work with people who care about this stuff. The music, the playlist in the background never would have occurred to me because the easy thing to do is just to put on the top 40, but the top 40 is pretty much one thing. It's mostly one kind of person from one kind of background doing one kind of music. That's, that's so interesting that see that. That thing that came out of a simple what you're calling a simple a, example. There, that's that's there. monumental. I, only because I I don't want to minimize truly the the importance of promoting people. Sure. Uh, from all, so that's why I wanted to be careful that um, you know this isn't just change the menu or change the music and you have sure. diversity inclusion and and I never want that to come out that way. But yeah, but in many ways though. Uh, just that example is just it, it, what it just did for me is it just got me thinking of all of it in a completely different way because it was such an obvious thing that I would have never thought of. Uh, and now I feel like I'm I'm never going to be able to unsee it or unhear it. Which is good, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's great. That's, that's exactly great. right. Okay, we've gone through so much, so much. We've covered a lot of ground <laughs> in a very short period of time. Uh, highs and lows, happy, sad, lessons, all the different things. What's been a a through line in this whole conversation really has been everything for you has been about the people themselves, whatever the ultimate goal is. It's always been about the people you meet, the conversations you have, what they're looking for, who they are. Um, And in in some ways, you told me the biggest chance encounter story you could possibly tell already, which, of course, was a chance encounter when you were three months old. Uh, But. Do you have a a story of a chance encounter in your life or in business, personal, professional, that was really meaningful to you um, in some way? I do. And, and thank you really for acknowledging, you know, being a three month old and that chance encounter. I, I don't know that I would have thought of it that way. So thank mm-hmm. you. Right. Um, anytime there's something that, you know, connects to my papa, I, I smile and cry at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh I thought about this and I said, wow, this is going to sound so hokey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaning back. I'm getting comfortable. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. So, so picture this, if you would. I'm trying to find myself and I have a sales job and I'm selling Subaru cars in New Britain, Connecticut. And I'm working with a gentleman and his name is Mike. And I, I, you know, I, I still remember Mike very well because it was his turn to approach this particular customer that walked onto the lot. And I said, Mike, do you mind if we switch? Can I, you know, can we switch turns? I'll take your turn and you take mine. And he's asking me, why do you want to do that? I said, you have to look outside. 
Well, this gentleman that was walking on the lot to trade in his cream color four-door Subaru for a sportier version had just finished working midnights at the Middletown Police Department. He had on a t-shirt, these dark pants, and sunglasses. So as you might imagine, I did help that chance encounter a little bit. And uh, eventually we got engaged and we're married and he plays the saxophone. <laughs> and, and I really chose this particular situation because when we met, life wasn't perfect for either one of us at the time. And we actually, it, it wasn't this clear path. We met, we didn't meet, we, our lives were separate, we went our separate ways, so all of those things. And then there was this chance encounter at Blockbuster Video that doesn't even exist anymore, right? <laughs> Blockbuster. Right? Blockbuster now, Video. Now we have the decade. Now we know where we yes, are in time. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and yet, with my husband, we've been able to create scholarships. He's been able to mentor people. You know, this business, Drive the Goal, does exist. Uh, it was his idea, right, to help people during COVID with the videos. So chance encounter, impact. I really do want to believe that together we've changed a lot of lives. And, and I hope we're not done. So I, I had to give you that story. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That's great. I mean, I, I love it when a, when a personal story collides with a professional story, especially because I think that this is a dichotomy that's um, wearing thin the difference between personal and professional lives is right. it's not really such a thing, right? There's just we just live and part of our we have we have things we do. We go to work, we have friends, we have this and it's all part of the same thing. And you you've had it sounds like the um, a lot of people try to deliberately separate their personal and professional. It sounds like you've had the great pleasure of having them um, intertwined in in a really powerful way. I have, and, and I don't know if I said it right, but I think in fairness, I have to say my husband's name, right, is Gregory. Yes, <laughs> no, yes, no, yes. what's his name, right? I, th I think we, we mentioned it earlier a few times. We did? But, okay. Uh, yeah, we okay. did, we did. Uh, or at least certainly I did. You may not have, but I oh, certainly okay. did. <laughs> so there you go. You, you can. Is he like in the other room somewhere? Is he? <laughs> no, no, he's, he's on the lanai because I told him everything had to be quiet. So the TV isn't on, the air conditioning's not on. Yes, I'm sweating in my jacket, but that's okay. Oh, no. All right, well, we'll let you get the AC on real soon. Uh, you're in Florida without the AC on. That's no good. Uh, we'll, we'll let you, you're going to melt in a second. Uh, we'll, we'll let you get, get that back on. Uh, I have to ask you one quick question here, which is, do you believe in luck? I guess on some level, but I want to believe I created my How own so? luck with, with a little help from the heavens above. Mm. Yeah. Yes. So, so you think some, that luck is something that you can do um, intentionally? I do. I really yeah. do. I yeah. really do. What, what would you say is something that you can do to, to, because um, I'm really, I'm, I've been really increasingly over the last few years fascinated with this idea of, of luck and the role that it plays in people's success. Um, but luck, I think, is a very different thing than people think it is. Um, you know, it can be pure coincidence, pure chance. You know, you can yeah. win the lottery. 
but yes. probably not a good idea to try to win the lottery, right? To bank on it. Right. Yes. Um, but then luck comes in so many other forms. What What would you say to somebody who's trying to create, especially maybe somebody who's coming from a difficult background or doesn't have the advantages uh, that other people might have or doesn't have anywhere near any kind of privilege? Um, how would they go about creating their their own luck? I probably, if I draw from a little bit of everything that I experienced, it would be find people that are doing some of the same things you want to do or they are in the places that you want to be and understand how they got there, recognize your journey may not be the same. However, anytime you can find some consistency, right, where someone says, well, if it wasn't for this amount of education or if I hadn't spent time, uh, more time practicing the guitar and less time, uh, I don't know, playing bingo. I don't know. <laughs> bingo. That's what's keeping people down. Bingo and yes, avocados. Bingo. Those two there things. There you go. Um. <laughs> that was great. Of all the examples you could have pulled, I love that. It was bingo. That was fantastic. Bingo. Um, yeah. To, to let you finish that point, I, uh, I find it. See, I love what you were starting to say. And then it got even better as it went on, which was you were starting to talk about how uh, finding people on the same journey as you who want yes. or who have been where you want to go or are trying to go where you want to go. Yeah. But I love that you went a level deeper and then said, and then intentionally or actively seek out the things that are in common that, that, yes. that are true to all of their stories. Yes. Yeah. And, um, there was, there, someone said something to me the other day about persistence. Mm. And I also think on some level, you do need to know when to let something go. Yes. So I wish I could sing. Brian, I really wish I could sing. I do. (laughs) I can't sing very well. Oh, come on. No, no, I can't. Uh, You know, and I'm grateful. My, My husband believes in me so much. He even bought me singing lessons, right? But I have to let that go. I can't pursue a career in singing. Uh, You know, I'm thankful he he did let me sing, in quotation, (laughs) on his CD. Um, So while persistence is important, I also think there comes a time where you you do have to look at your situation, your environment, your friends, your colleagues, the, the path that you're on, and say, am I applying that persistence to the right thing? You know, so crazy is that I've done three interviews for my podcast this week. I'm starting to do them all for next season. So I'm doing a lot of these. And that exact thing you just said came up literally yesterday or two days ago in a totally different conversation with a completely different type of person (laughs) and a totally different topic when I and 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 not even with the same question that I asked him, Uh, but we ended up talking about. Um, I, I quoted, so anybody listening to this, depending on what order you hear, this may be forwards or backwards. I don't know what order these will debut in, but what I said to him is there's a quote I've, I've heard this old, this old quote that, 
you know, there's there's nothing worse than climbing up a ladder all your life only to realize it was against the wrong wall. Oh, right? wow. Okay. Okay. And and that notion of knowing when to quit, I, I don't think there's anywhere near enough people talking about uh, the value of learning when to stop doing something. There's so much about persistence, right? About just yes. keep going, just keep going, work harder, yes. stop sleeping. You can sleep when you're dead. Go, go, go. It's like, wait, time out. Just because you want something doesn't mean it's going to happen. You have to know yes. when to give that thing up. Yes, because there's something else that you will be better at or better suited for or make a larger impact. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there's yeah. also a difference. And, and I feel like this is worth mentioning. There's also a difference between doing something um, merely for the sake of enjoying it yourself and doing something with the intention of making a career or making an impact out of it. So, for example, if you love singing, just keep mm-hmm. singing by yourself in the shower and as you walk around the house and whatever, right? Like sing, sing, sing. But you don't have to pursue it anymore with the kind of time and dedication and attention if you've decided it's not going to be a viable career <laughs> option, right? Because that's taking right. your time and energy away from 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 other yes. things. Um, yes. So that's that's yes. great. I, I'm, I'm going to, I have one final question. We're a little over because we started a little late. Are, are you good for like two more minutes? Oh, I- 10, 15, I'm good. Okay. I'm just afraid the AC, uh, lack of AC <laughs> is just, we're just going to lose you at some point. Uh, so, okay. so, I'm trying to imagine being in Florida without AC. I, I think I have AC on in Connecticut right now. What is it, 38 degrees outside? Um, I'd like to leave it on on this this question. So most of my listeners are young professionals, early 20s to mid 30s. Uh, they're looking to build a career in an increasingly unpredictable world, to build a sustainable career in an increasingly unpredictable world. So what one piece of advice would you have for a 24, 27, 32-year-old who's in this crazier, crazier by the day world and wants to build something sustainable? My piece of advice would be to navigate positive change. So whether that is within yourself, helping other people, helping an organization, and understanding that even the the self-sustaining job or position or role that they may aspire to may not exist in 10 years or may not exist today. It hasn't been created yet. So back to navigating change and understanding that that's that's the world we live in. If you can evolve and navigate through change and helping other people change, you've got it. It's it's all yours. Anything you want. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Well, Helen, I got to say this was such a I mean, just great to reconnect always, but especially the content and the stories of this particular conversation were really meaningful to me. I think they're really meaningful to to the folks listening. And I, I, I just really appreciate uh, both your time and your vulnerability uh, today. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Brian. You asked some great questions. And, uh, you know, some of the things I think I surprised myself. So that's good. That's okay. So someone will hear it and believe that, uh, that they too right? Can drive their future forward. Drive the goal. 
Drive the goal. Get that plug in there. There you go. <laughs> All right. 